Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Welcome to episode 36 of the SJP Wrestling Podcast. First things first, apologies for having nothing new for you to listen to last week. Um, Sometimes, sadly, real life gets in the way. It's a pain in the ass, but it's got to be obeyed, I guess. On today's show, however, we have a fun look back on the Survivor Series 2002 pay-per-view with Roy Stevens from the GL2 tag team in Evolution Wrestling in Gloucester. It's Roy's favourite pay-per-view, and it's also one of my favourites as well. It's a brilliant, brilliant look back at a brilliant, brilliant show, um, and I hope everyone enjoys listening to it. Before we get to that, however, could I just ask everybody to chuck the show a follow on all the social media outlets we have, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find us on all of those at SJP Wrestling Pod. And then whilst you are there, please seek out my other show that I do, uh, hosted with my partner in crime, Mr. Mags from various other podcasts on this network and other networks too um it's called chain wrestling uh, it's it's a great fun to record i've been told it's brilliant to listen to as well so thank you to everyone who sends me positive feedback on that uh, you can find that on facebook and twitter as well at chain underscore wrestling okay that's it for me today uh, let's get to our chat with Roy stevens about survivor series 2002 as always thank you for listening Hello, brother. This is NWA WCW enhancement talent, Randy Hogan, baby. Being in the ring with the Road Warriors, Vader, Abdul the Butcher, Midnight Express and all them guys. Let me tell you, it was dang rough. But not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cyan Mags and chain wrestling, brother, runs wild on you? Mr. Roy Stevens, how are we doing, my friend? Welcome back to the SJP Wrestling Podcast. Thanks, Simon. Uh, yeah, I'm doing really well, thanks. I've been really, really excited for this. I've been really looking forward to uh, finally talking to someone about potentially my favourite wrestling event ever. So, uh, yeah, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, cheers. Not too bad. Looking forward to discussing this. It's one of it's a show I really, really enjoy as well. I've seen it multiple times, and I really enjoyed watching it back again for our conversation today um, just so people are aware in case they've missed the headline or the uh, title of the show today Rai and i will be looking back on survivor series 2002 the first elimination chamber um sean michaels making his second in-ring appearance uh, and some some brilliant matches and a brilliant to me a brilliant era in wrestling as well um 
Right. You say it's one of your favourite shows, so I'm assuming that comes into it. But uh, what I always ask the guests when they return to discuss these shows with me is, how come you picked this pay-per-view to go back with me with? I think it, I, I think the main sole reason for this is that uh, that main event of the Elimination Chamber. And I mean, I, I discussed with you on my last podcast about Shawn Michaels being my overall idol and why I'm into wrestling. And I just think him in that main event and the whole comeback story, the first ever... The facts in Madison Square Garden. Uh, I just can't say enough for this. And then all you know, every other match on the card as well. I, I think plays a perfect part to the show, and I and I think it just puts together this amazing event. You know, this the, the best two and a half hours of wrestling I think I've watched uh, in, in a WWE event. I, I just love it. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely superb. But I think two thousand and two, especially with the Big Four. I guess the Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series—the sort of tent pole events. I guess the the the, the longer reigning pay per views they've had. I think they all still stand up really well to this day. The 2002 Rumble with Triple H's return, WrestleMania 18 with Hogan and The Rock, uh, so SummerSlam 2002 is a fantastic show from beginning oh, to end. With, that's with, incredible. Oh, with Michaels match against triple h there and then this pay-per-view as you say is another one that's that's just fantastic to watch and i'm, I'm really looking forward to uh getting into it with you my friend uh before we do um how, how have things been since we last spoke it's been a few weeks since you're on the show and how, how are things going for you yeah things are going really well um i can't believe that was a it's actually a couple of months ago almost to the date oh um, is it really okay yeah yeah and it seems like a couple of weeks ago though doesn't it I lose but, track um, of time in, in this lockdown, mate. I, I, oh, I didn't know what day, day it is. Oh, <laughs> every day blends into another. I mean, I, I was speaking to somebody this week, and I said that the only reason I knew it was Saturday was because there was football on. That's just, <laughs> it all just blends into one for me, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I, I don't even know what time it is after time. I don't know what day it is. The clock's changing, throwing me off. It's all light in there when I'm not used to it, and who knows, but... I am pretty much excited for next Monday being the 12th. So hopefully we can have some normality back and I might be able to go to the gym and, and, and all that bit. So just counting down the days. But yeah, life's been great. Thanks. Hope, uh, hope it's been treating you well as well. Yeah, well, you know, same old, same old really, isn't it? For, for me, it's just a wake up whenever, watch wrestling, talk about wrestling stay up till whenever i've got a bed wake up so <laughs> <laughs> the standard like, day yeah I've, I've now had a job offer at long last which is nice so uh, congratulations normality will return to that oh yeah well yeah i mean speaking of congratulations um you got engaged this week my friend congratulations to you and your Thank one you. foot over half so came was quite a surprise but uh a, a lovely surprise so um yeah maybe the moon yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very happy for you and your good man. Um, that's that's great stuff. Great to see. You're, like I said in our last record, you always seem incredibly happy when I see pictures of the pair of you. So, yeah, congratulations there, bud. Thank you very much. And and you know it's WrestleMania week. Let's just chuck that out there. So just yeah, definitely. even better. <laughs> Best week of the year. Exactly. And there's a lot going on, isn't there? Hall of Fame and everything and nxt and two nights of wrestlemania there is a lot of wrestling in this coming week it's going to be fantastic i know i was going to watch all of fame tonight but i realized it's on at 1 a.m yeah i'll give, <laughs> give it a miss till the afternoon so i might do that tomorrow <laughs> yeah definitely um okay well uh we'll get into it then shall we but this yeah is let's go survivor series 2002 emanating from madison square garden in new york and the date it was first broadcast was november 17th 2002 
The attendance is a little short of 18,000, with a great deal of that actually paying for a huge gate. The buy rate was 338,000, which again is a huge substantial amount of money. I mean, it's, it's a different era now with the network, but you think in the States, people are paying 40, 50, 60 dollars a pop for these shows, and they're selling, you know, 300. 30-odd thousand of them. It's an incredible amount of money coming in to the company. Yeah, especially back then, that buy rate is huge. I didn't actually know that. Um, I wasn't able to find that statistic, actually, but that's that's big, isn't it, for yeah. the events back then? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I mean, to give it a bit of context, I suppose, if we look at Armageddon the following month, it drops by about five to 6,000. Um, and then we look at maybe rebellion the month before um no again that's not a good option because it's uh we look at no mercy from that same year then in october it's a drop again down to closer to two nine nine three hundred thousand that sort of a so yeah survivor series had a huge buy rate for that time but i mean i suppose the the big four events as we discussed that you know the rumble mania and so on they do tend to have a slightly higher buy rate, I suppose, because of the brand of, of the event, potentially. Yeah, and definitely the hype that surrounds a, a rumble. <clears throat> you know, you have a rumble. Or the hype around WrestleMania because of the name WrestleMania, you know, or SummerSlam. Yeah. And then you've got Survivor Series in the first ever Elimination Chamber. So I I would expect the buy rate for this to be higher than the majority of the other events that year. Probably yeah. because, of, because of that chamber match. Yeah, yeah, potentially, yeah. I mean, I think nowadays they're very much selling WrestleMania as the brand, as the event, as opposed to what's on the card, aren't they? Yes. Um, but back then, I still think it was quite important to uh, as to the matches that were on to make some people want to purchase it, some people want to tune in, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely evolved, hasn't it? Mm. From 2002 to where we are now, like you said, it's 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 more of a brand now, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good way yeah. of putting it, actually. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, this is during the era where we have two separate brands, Raw and SmackDown. You have Eric Bischoff as the general manager on Raw, and I think he does a fantastic job in that in that role, in that character. Stephanie yeah. McMahon is running SmackDown. And equally, I think she does a brilliant job too. You know, And, I, and actually, I think that brand split is a really good thing to mention because I think that really really did make these pay-per-views stand out so much more having their separate talent it was the first time they had wasn't it separate titles for each brand and i really think the competition really stepped up then during that time yeah yeah definitely it's it's um i I like the idea of the brand split especially when they've got a roster as bloated i suppose as they have with so much talent available. I think having the separate brands, it, it gives more opportunity for certain people, I guess. If you're not seeing the same faces on Raw and SmackDown every week, there's there's more spaces on the card, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, they keep, they, well, in the past, they kept changing their mind, didn't they? And they'd, they'd reunite <laughs> the roster and they'd split it again and so on, which is a bit annoying. And sometimes they have all these these crossovers and these wild cards and so on. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, to me, if, if they're doing it and it's a complete separation, and they only come together on certain events each year. Over time, I think it adds real prestige to those events where they do cross over. Yeah, definitely. And um, <clears throat> also the championships as well, actually, I think. Um, what we on now? Brand split number four or something? Yes. Um, <laughs> and it just, you know, it should never have changed. But 
It is what it is. I don't run WWE, so what do I know? <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> um, as we, I suppose, come into the show then, we've got a brilliant video package at the start promoting both world title matches that are going to feature on the show. Um, the music is very much of its time and fits, I think, absolutely perfectly with this era of WWE. And it's just a great record anyway. It's we've fantastic, got, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, Saliva are, I suppose in a way, they're effectively the WWE's house band at this stage because they seem to always be around. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> They were doing, didn't they? They did a couple of themes and they performed, at, if, I, if I get this right, I think they performed at WrestleMania that year as well. Yeah. They sang in the Dudleys to the ring. Yeah, they seem to be everywhere, which is yeah. not a bad thing. No, <laughs> no I'm not complaining. Uh, this track itself always is 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 fantastic. It's very, like I said, very much early 2000s hard rock. It's very much of its time. But I still like it. I think it's great. I the love it. I mean, awesome. The video package is awesome. Just a little side note on the song, actually. I remember being about, I want to say about 10 or 11. And when I had this on DVD, I used to sit in my living room and I used to play, because they sing the song live, don't they, from uh, mm-hmm. the, from Times Square. And I used to play the song on repeat. And I remember my dad coming in saying, oh, do you like this song or something, do you? And then he went and downloaded it and put it on a desk for me, yeah. Ah, you could plug her off to your bedroom and not have to... <laughs> That's not exactly what it was. Downstairs, yeah. Exactly what it was. He got his living room back that day. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Um, we have... Uh, the always excellent Jim Ross and the sometimes dodgy Jerry Lawler on commentary in his prime back then. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, it's it's everything about this event at the beginning. You notice it's Madison Square Garden. It's the way it's lit. It's the music. It's Jim Ross's voice. It, it's everything that to me makes this era of WWF just so enjoyable for, for me looking back. Yeah, and just a shout for like Madison Square Garden. I actually think that must be, or it is, isn't it, the most famous ring in the world? And I think just having that event there just made it so much more special. Do you know what I mean? I love everything about Madison Square Garden. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't know where you're coming from. It's um, it's so iconic. Yeah, and it's the little differences as well. I mean, they had. WrestleMania 20 there um, a couple of years after this as well. And the Royal Rumble where Cena made his return after injury. I think it was 2000 and that was 2008. And I, yeah. I can't think of another pay-per-view they had there since. Um, I know they've done house shows there, haven't they? And they did like a network special, but I don't know if they had another pay-per-view in MSG following that. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm sure someone knows somewhere. But you know, now, now you ask, well, now you bring that up, I, I can't think of any myself. But surely they must have. I'll have to look into that and I'll, yeah. I'll find out. But they had the Raw Rumble 2000 there as well, a couple of years previous to this. And it's that, that entranceway right opposite the hard cam I like with the, the, the sort of swinging doors that they have at this event. Um, so the, the, the wrestlers for half the show at least are coming towards the ring in front of you. And it's just really cleverly done. The tightness of the crowd, everything. I love that. And uh, again, another little side note. So probably my, uh, the the thing I would love to achieve the most actually is I would love one day to perform in Madison square garden. 
um, more than anything. And I was very fortunate enough just before coronavirus kicked in. So I'm thinking, you know, January 2020, I actually, I was in New York City and I got to go on a Madison Square Garden tour and I okay. got to walk out of those doors uh, where, the, you know, the wrestlers were coming for Survivor Series 2002. And all I could just see was just Shawn Michaels coming out of there and thought, you know what, <laughs> I, I am, I, I'm going to do this one day. I don't know when or how, but I'm going to get there. So well, I hope uh, it happens. I hope. Yeah. It well, someone have to kill me before I, before I stop trying. But <laughs> yeah, I, I just love the whole setup of the arena and the ceiling. It sounds silly, but the ceiling is just iconic, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, definitely a very iconic arena. Um, the gate was well over a million dollars for this. Um, it, it's a record breaking the record that they'd previously set at Raw Rumble 2000 that, as I mentioned, was held in this same arena. Um, the show sold out in just shy of four days. Uh, and around this time as well, we had the whole WWF, WWE name change going on. Um, it was that sort of era there where the World Wildlife Fund refused to budge. Um, in, and even though the WWE effectively were using the initials WWF before them in many places. They, uh, the world wildlife fund got around it. I believe by registering in several countries abroad before the WWF did, I think this country was one of them. They read, they trademarked the letters before the WWE did, which basically ended up meaning that they kind of won the court case because they were more established brand internationally just by having more, trademarks or copyrights or however it's worded abroad as far as i understand it my, my legal knowledge is, is very limited oh i didn't know that I, I remember a lot of the get the f out promos do you remember them yeah yeah <laughs> i do and the t-shirts you know, t-shirts with it on and stuff yeah yeah i mean interestingly enough as well you hear from people who were involved in the company around this time that's <sighs> Yeah, the likes of Bruce Pritchard and, and, and so on who, who have their own podcasts, which I enjoy listening to. There's some really great insights there. Yeah. Those sort of people talk about the WWF actually willing to donate literally millions to the charity to keep their name. And the, the, the World Wildlife Fund actually turning down this huge sum of money that could go towards their charity just to keep the initials. That seems a little odd to me, but obviously we're going by one person's word as opposed to somebody else's. I don't know how exactly accurate it is. I'm just telling it how I heard it, but uh, yeah, it does seem quite, quite an odd situation in general, really. But now I suppose you've got the cool WWE logo where the two W's fit together from it and so on. So yeah, it was just, just a sign of the time, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah way of putting that a sign of the time a good sign of change yeah exactly exactly okay our first contest we have bubba bubba dudley spike dudley and jeff hardy in quite a bit of a eclectic mix of characters there <laughs> i almost wrote something similar down actually <laughs> yeah i'm sat watching it of course i remember the match but it wasn't until they all came out i was like oh okay um and they are facing three minute warning which is Rosie, Jamal, and their manager, Rico. And they, this is an elimination tables match, basically meaning that all members of one team have to go for a table for the other team to win the contest. Um, I, I thought this was a great opener. It, it, it did its job. It got the crowd going. The crowd were wild anyway, but they got the crowd really into it. Jeff Hardy, literally from the first couple of minutes, is just doing crazy, crazy <laughs> you know, batshit stuff. Um, yeah. 
Good old Jeff. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I literally put carnage. This match is just utter carnage, and I think that's what I love about it. It's so unpredictable. There's bodies everywhere. People are putting themselves through tables. Um, people are jumping off balconies. You know, it, it's just mad. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really a fan of these kind of stipulations with a table or anything like that because I think sometimes it's different to a ladder match I guess it kind of with a tables match it kind of makes the it kind of makes the direction of the match different to me in that there's no there's no like um near falls there's no excitement of a near miss or anything like that you know somebody has to go for a table and that's that so I think it kind of takes away that sort of the, the, the suspension of waiting and the, the one, two, and then kick out. But on the other side of the coin with this one, I didn't feel that. I felt with this one, because they were running at people and then the, 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 the opposition would move and they go through a table themselves, that was almost the equivalent of having a near fall in this match. So it still built the drama, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I actually agree, because I don't you don't really see that in a lot of table matches, do you? Uh, where they put themselves through the table and then the ref waves it off. Doesn't, it's not always the case. And the fact that it happened a couple of times at this event. So I, when I was re-watching it, and uh, I believe Jeff Hardy runs up the balcony, doesn't he? And kind of slips, recuperates, yeah. and then puts himself through a table, which I think Jamal was holding. I actually sat there thinking, oh, well, he's gone now. I completely forgot that. He got up to then the top and then splashed him through the table out on the floor. So um, it took me by surprise watching it now. And I've watched this countless of times. I can't even describe how many times I've seen this event. But yeah, it did kind of bring that drama back into it for me. Yeah, you had some really, again, like you say, insane bumps as well. I mean, Spike's eliminated first with a, with a horrible-looking face-first bump. Um, it almost like they they send him up for a power bomb, but keep going over the top, and yeah. he goes face-first. Like uh, I'm not 100 percent sure the name of that is. Is it a flapjack? Is that what it's called? Or uh, off the top of my head, yes, I think it is a flapjack. But then okay. I thought, didn't they catch him in a power bomb? Maybe they do it a double, and then they just—I don't know. It's just horrible. He goes, yeah, face <laughs> first. And he, I mean, he's only a little fellow as well, is he? Let's be honest. He's tiny, and he just goes splat, doesn't he? So, yeah. <laughs> um, Jeff puts Rosie through a table with a swanton bomb off off, off the balcony off on the an entranceway. Balcony. Way. Yeah, I and mean, that's so iconic. That moment, isn't it? Replayed for years. Yeah, I mean, didn't he do that in a two thousand Rumble? Did he do that in that tag team table match? Yeah, so it very similar, wasn't it? It Maybe even exactly the same entranceway, potentially. Yeah, but I mean, out of the two, that's the one I remember the most. Yeah, yeah. Um, He almost misses a spot then, Jeff Hardy, I think, where Rico is about to do a moonsault (laughs) to send somebody else through. Yeah. Jeff is supposed to shake the ropes to make him fall. Shake the rope. You can hear it on the DVD edit, Rico, you know. There's a strong, some bit of strong language in there. <laughs> well, Jeff doesn't cure on spot, but yeah, he does. He's meant to do something, and then I think Rico either falls or Jeff finally gets to him, and then he, they do whatever they got to do. Yeah, Jeff gets there. Rico's wobbling on the ropes, waiting yeah. effectively for Jeff to, you know, break up what they're doing. Jeff grabs the ropes on the opposite side of the ring and shakes them, and Rico kind of sells that as what's making him fall. Yeah, you know, which you know, these things happen. I mean, ultimately, Jeff's just gone through a table off a balcony for crying out loud, Rico. Calm yourself down, mate. Give him a second. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, you know, this, yeah, like you just said, he's just jumped off a balcony out of a foot eye, threw a table onto someone else's body, give him a little bit of uh, breathing space, Rico. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Come on, Rico, be better than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I really enjoy where people are going to put an opponent through the table and then the the, the victim i suppose of the move his partner will rather than break the move up because he can't get there in time will kick the table out the way kick the table me. yeah and i don't yeah, three minute warning really do that don't they yeah it's quite it's uh, it's different and it's good um it just shows that the wrestlers are actually thinking about the stipulation of the match and the gimmick aren't they really yeah and, and telling a story as well aren't yeah. they it's gimmick over i suppose um Jeff is eliminated by Jamal, who is a massive monster mountain of a man. Um, he comes off the top rope to the outside through a table. That looked brutal as it well. It looks horrible. I wouldn't want to take that move. No, definitely. Well, not to the floor through a table. <laughs> yeah, they, they had um, a bit of a reputation of not always being the safest people to work with as well. So that would have been in the back of my mind, if I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I wrote a note actually about three minute warning about I thought there was a lot of potential there with those two and then I don't know if they just got lost in the shuffle or yeah if it was the reputation of them not being safe I, I don't really know what happened because they sort of fizzled out didn't they and then Rico went on to actually shine yeah well Rico had incredible charisma didn't he just yeah. brilliant personality brilliant on the microphone and so on um, with Rosie and Jamal it, it was a very much a case of um, the one of them, I believe it was the one who's no longer with us now, which would be, oh, they both passed away. No, now, I think they both passed away, haven't they? they? Both passed away. Yeah. Rosie passed away very recently. And the first one to pass away, then Jamal, Jamal I believe yeah. uh, he had numerous issues that meant he was failing the wellness policy tests. Uh, um, actually, yeah. Isn't that case? Isn't that right? Cause didn't he get released actually? And then they, yeah. then they, he came back off for the zoom market, didn't he? But yeah, actually now you said it, Lots of um, issues drug-wise with him. There's also the, the, the thing I said about them them being having this reputation of potentially being not safe in the ring. And there was the the big Samoan drop that they used to do, where they'd throw the guy up in the air, catch him, and then just turn it into a Samoan drop in midair. Yeah. Numerous people got hurt from that move. From what I remember reading magazines and so on at the time. I mean, we're talking what nearly 19 years ago now so maybe my mind's a bit foggy but uh that's what i can remember reading in in like the wrestling magazines at the time so yeah yeah it's um we basically then get bubba dudley eliminating jamal with a top rope power bomb and again that looked incredible because of the size of the two guys pulling off that move and and you know that's one of bubba's isn't it like signature moves is that power bomb through a table off the top rope granted devon's probably there Throughout the most of them, yeah, but that is a bubbery thing to do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And speaking of Devon, um, we have at the end basically it's Rico versus Bubba Dudley. Everyone else has been eliminated. Rosie and Jamal haven't left though, and they carry on teaming up on Bubba, uh, beating him down and so on. And then the Reverend Devon, yes, was at the time because they'd split the Dudleys in the brand extension returns in full camo and Dudley gear to a huge pop from Madison Square Garden. Oh, I got um, goosebumps when you just said it. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and so it's such a... In, yeah. Saves his partner. They do the, the sort of Dudley you know, embrace and so on. Hit a 3D for Bubba to win the match for his team. I really, really enjoyed this match. Uh, yeah, I loved it. And I like the, the, 
when Devon does come out, you can see Bubba is a bit sceptical, isn't he? Because they yeah. had that feud back in July, whenever it was, of Devon turning on Bubba and, and all that. So fast forward to October and it's still there in the mind. It just it just all clicked into place. Uh, and it was great to see, you know, Devon and Bubba reunite. Because when you think of the Dudleys, I mean, nothing against Spike. You don't really think of Bubba and Spike, do you? You think no. of Bubba and Devon. I mean, it's Bubba and Devon who are in the Hall of Fame. When yeah. you say Dudleys, it's those. So just to see those back together and on the Raw brand, it was just brilliant. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they are synonymous with being tag team guys. Of course they are. The various different cabinets they were. It's all around the world. Huge levels of success. One of the greatest tag teams of all time. But, um, I mean, Bubba Ray or Bully Ray, as he was known, went on to quite a bit of success in TNA as a singles guy uh, when he was the head of Aces and Eights, which was a faction I really loved. And that whole storyline of, of Bully siding with Hogan and his daughter and then turning out to be the leader of the Aces and Eights faction. And that was brilliant TNA. That was brilliant television. Um, it's, to me, it's a shame that the Bully Ray character never got a chance on the WWE stage, I guess. But different time and ultimately they wanted the Dudleys and that's what they got I guess yeah yeah uh, I just made a note actually something you said at the start uh, uh, this match about quite uh, was it an eclectic group of, of characters you know you got the Spike and Jeff and the Dudleys JR does make a comment um, and he says a Dudley and a Hardy working together is that a a first and a last? Um, because when you think about it you got one half of well you got how am I going to word this? Two halves of two very famous teams. You've got the Dudleys mm. and the Hardys, and you've got one of each working together. I can't ever think of a time where a, a Dudley would then team up with a Hardy again. Maybe no, in TNA. I didn't watch TNA. I was going to say that's exactly where my mind went to to TNA, but I'm not sure if the storylines would have coincided then because Jeff was very much siding with Hogan and Bischoff when they turned heel, which I think was after Aces and Eights. Yeah. Again, my, my, my memory's a little foggy, so if anyone listening knows that I'm incorrect here, by all means, please please tweet the show at SJP Wrestling Pod and let me know. But again, I, I think I agree with you, Roy. I can't remember no, off the top of my head it. without looking into it. Nope. I, I can't think of a time. I mean, you never know, there might be something randomly on a Raw or SmackDown, you know. But who who knows the ins and outs of those? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember the pay-per-views. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after that match, we get the absolutely stunning Stacey Keebler at the World in New York. Um, and Saliva play Always again, which is, again, we, we covered it earlier on, an absolutely brilliant, um, brilliant song, really fitting for this time. Yeah. We then... I have, I, sorry, just a, again another oh, side note. I have a load of side notes. I um I love the idea of having a the WWE restaurant, you know, the square. What do they call it? Um, it, it was WWF New York, and then it was the World, wasn't it? The World, that was it, not the Square. The World. I thought it was a brilliant idea. It's a shame it didn't stay around and uh, is still a thing. But um, again, I was lucky enough to. It's now a Hard Rock Cafe for anyone wondering what it is. And I was lucky to eat in there. And all I thought about was again that performance of Saliva and Stacey Keebler. And you can yeah. see it in the corner where it would have been. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, with regards to that, apparently it was a, like a huge loss for the WWE because the the real estate there, the cost of renting the building and the cost of having that property where it is, apparently is 
astronomical phenomenal yeah so um i I don't know the internets of it but um i was on a tour and they were saying that the uh, the estate on Times square is so costly um so i think that's why it just wasn't making the turnover um at all it's just a shame really i love the concept of it yeah yeah definitely um the guy who was one of the managers running it um and also the uh, there was like a head of licensing or head of head of sales of some description around this time um were both actually convicted of stealing money from the company um the guy who who was manager of wrf new york was, was sort of skimming from the top shall we say and they both ended up facing i think it was like 10 to 15 years inside because of it what? so that probably didn't help because he was skimming money away from from the restaurant as well but uh yeah that from what i can gather the main reason being just how much it was costing and they just weren't making money on it so it's a shame but uh yeah yeah there we go um our next match is for the Cruiserweight Championship, and we have Jamie Noble with Nidia uh, defending against Billy Kidman. Um, it's it's going to be a very difficult job for these people to follow what has just been on the, the tables match, but I thought they did a really, really good job, and I think all three of these are really underrated. I was just going to say, actually, um, it may have been challenging following it, but do you know what? I think they did, and they it was a fantastic singles match i I've, I've just my notes here say solid cruiserweight championship match i thought it was phenomenal um very fast paced but very aggressive and i think jamie noble was very and, and billy kidman actually um but i think jamie noble was very underrated in WWE at that time yeah and nidia as well she came through the the i think it's the second tough enough competition yeah she did she win it did she win yeah, it i believe or? so yeah um, um and her she, character adds so much, I think. Oh, doesn't it? It just adds the depth to the whole Jamie Noble character as well. But uh, I think she played her role really well there. She, you know, didn't miss a beat. And um, I, I used, uh, about last year, actually, it was, I was watching all the Raws and Smackdowns from 2002. And I could really see this Nidia character just develop over the short time that she was with Jamie Noble. And um, yeah, I think she really enhanced that character. Yeah. Definitely. I reckon she's, she's excellent in this role. Um, again, I think all three of them are, are quite underrated. Noble, he's like a cruiserweight that doesn't fly as much, I guess. When you say cruiserweight wrestling, you tend to think of... Front flips. Yes, yeah, basically. <laughs> smaller guys doing lots of acrobatics, but you don't get that with Noble. But what he does, I think, works very well with the more aerial competitors of this era. Yeah, and um, I really like because I think they really um, shown that the smaller guys can really uh, um, they can really hang with the big guys. You know, they can do just as well, maybe very in, in a different way, um, but they can put on just as good matches as as the bigger guys and the heavyweights. Yeah, exactly. Ultimately, Kidman wins the cruiserweight championship here with a lovely shooting star press from the top rope. Um, yeah, again, it's only seven minutes or so, but a really, really good contest, considering you're following a very difficult opener, potentially, to follow. Yeah, um, and just I just want to say, I, I wrote down that uh, Jamie Noble does this top-rope DDT thing, doesn't it? Oh, just, yes. oh, it looks vile, but it looks amazing. <laughs> oh, just brutal, wasn't it? Just absolutely oh. wiped him out. Yeah, 
And he still kicked her. I mean, granted, you know, that would have been a great finish, I think. But I like what they were doing. I think the couple of Smackdowns before, wasn't it that um, Jamie Noble had lost to Billy Kidman a few times in a row or something? So I think that whole story behind that match as well really helped. Uh, and it just added to the surprise factor. Yep, definitely. Um, following that, we have a couple of little backst- backstage skits. Um, apologies if you can hear my dog going mental downstairs. <laughs> Somebody's knocking on the door to see my daughter, and he, he's always very vocal when we have visitors. So. <laughs> that's the doorbell. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, we have a bit with Benoit and Angle, who are teaming up later on in the show, when they don't really get along, um, but they can see that their partnership is worthwhile for the greater good, I guess, of winning titles together. And it just made me laugh so much when Benoit puts his hand out, willing to shake Angle's hand and work with it. <laughs> and Benoit's like, tag partners don't shake hands. Shake hands. Tag partners <laughs> hug. And then God, gives hug. him a, he's a big, <laughs> big smiley cuddle from Kurt. And Benoit does not look amused at all. Thinking, what the hell is going on here? But exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Angle just... <laughs> One of the greatest of all time, isn't he? Comedy Absolutely gold. Superb. Um, the next moment we see is Victoria backstage, who has a match momentarily with Trish Stratus, going a little crazy. Because um, she's playing this insane character role. She's screaming at a mirror. She punches a Trish Stratus cutout. And incidentally, if anyone knows where I can get a Trish Stratus cutout, please let me know. But, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll find you one. <laughs> I'll have um, some list of things to do. This <laughs> is filmed via almost like a secret camera called F View. Yeah. Now what I vaguely re- to that? I I don't know what happened to it, but I got a feeling this was one of Eric Bischoff's random things he brought into Raw. But it was just for the Divas, wasn't it? I don't know. I remember. I remember watching the Raws, and I think thinking. I remember thinking to myself, "Ah, that's what this was." And then, yeah, it just fizzled out. <laughs> yeah, like GTV. Do you remember that? Uh, nope. That was something else that was similar. And it was building for weeks, and it was sort of a few years before this. Um, and it was like hidden cameras exposing people's secrets i guess and every now and again it would pop up on the big screen in the arena and expose i don't know someone who was supposed to be a friend to somebody talking bad about them and all this sort of stuff oh, okay and, and again that ran for weeks and it was a really interesting angle this is sort of 98 ish i think maybe 99 um and again the same as vince mcmahon blowing up in the limousine that time it was just dropped one week and never to return, never to be spoken about again. <laughs> and then next thing you know, he's on telly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything's fine. I would yeah, love exactly. to know what that angle was meant to have led to, just as a side note, Ryan's side notes. I would love what, to know the, where um, that angle, yeah. The limo. Yeah, I wonder who that was meant to have been. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, with regards to that, the story that Bruce Pritchard tells on his podcast is that Vince wanted to come off television. He says he was being on TV too much. They needed a way to write him off TV. And Vince came up with the idea, well, just kill me. Uh, and the famous line that they've actually turned into a T-shirt on, on Bruce Pritchard's show is um, apparently McMahon turned around and said to the meeting, you know, God damn it, it makes perfect sense. I can't be on TV if I'm dead. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
so that was the plan. The limo was going to explode, and there was no end game to it. No one really knew where it was going to go. It would just write McMahon off TV until they find a time to bring him back. Um, but obviously, that weekend, we had the horrific tragedy then with uh, Chris Benoit and what happened at his home um, with his wife <laughs> and kid, which I don't really want to cover too much today. No, we won't but discuss that. No, that kind of put pay to all of that because McMahon appeared on Raw the next week after this this tragedy to um basically out of character and and and, and ha- well everyone knows what happened after that so yeah okay uh, our next match then is another title match for the ladies championship um it's Trish Stratus uh versus Victoria and it's fought under hardcore rules and they get roughly the same time as the cruiserweight championship just before them, roughly seven, seven and a half minutes or so. Um, again, I enjoyed this match very much, uh, but I also think you can see how talented Victoria or Tara, as she went to be in TNA, is because she's obviously she's been around the block a few times. She she understands how the business works. She's a very good wrestler. She, she's experienced. Trish, I think, even at this stage in late two thousand and two, is still very much finding her feet with certain things. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. She's gone into the she's gone into the company literally as eye candy, as a fitness model, um, and she has my utmost respect because she's worked really. She could have just stood there, looked pretty, and held the title belt without a problem, pretty much like Sable did, I suppose, a few years previous. But she's worked hard at her craft and trained very, very hard to to get better in the ring, as opposed to just being this, I suppose, eye candy, as as I mentioned. But here you can see. It's a new a new environment for her being in a hardcore match. There's lots of stunts, lots of headshots that are a bit uncomfortable now looking back. But you almost see, Yeah, yeah. You almost see with Trish, she's almost almost needs to slow down a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. She sometimes it, it looked a bit like hesitation and then sometimes it was a bit too fast. Um and the pace was a bit off sometimes, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think you touched on Victoria. I think this is when Victoria was her at her best. This psychotic, crazy character. Um, I thought she was incredible. And yeah, I really enjoyed this match. Um, I didn't really have much negative things to say about this one either. I thought it was quite cool, but uh, you see a bit of blood in this. You don't really see blood in a women's match, especially at that time no. either, did you? I mean, yeah, granted, it's just a... I say just, it's a busted nose. But um, it just adds another layer to that match, just seeing that bit of blood. And and I think it shows that the women can again do what the guys do. And it just adds some more realism into it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got... Uh, the the trash can lid i suppose that's all very thin metal they have there um being hit onto people's heads there's an ironing board involved at one stage because <laughs> of, course, me chuckle. <laughs> of course there's an ironing board because ladies are wrestling well yes. done vince um <laughs> a singapore cane is involved trish kind of half botches a bulldog attempt at one stage which looked a bit messy but Again, ultimately, she 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 needs to just slow down a touch, I suppose, just watching it. But I, um, doesn't that come after? Because I I don't know if you know, but the the whole finish was meant to be around the mirror, wasn't it? Did you know that? I heard, I I read, sorry, that this was not the actual finish. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I read somewhere as well that Victoria pulls out this mirror, and I I don't know what happens because it's not smashed when she pulls the mirror out. 
But um, somehow it smashes. And I, I don't know what they were going to do. I assume that the finish was Victoria hits Trish with a mirror. Who knows? But it, you can hear, uh, especially on the network version of Survivor Series, you can hear someone in the background, must be close to Jar and the King, saying the mirror smashed, the mirror smashed. And obviously it shows because you can, I mean, I can see, excuse me, Trish and Victoria do look a bit like, oh, what do we do here? And then it does okay. become a bit clunky. And I think that's when that bulldog comes in and then you get the bit with the fire extinguisher, which doesn't actually go off straight away. <laughs> yeah, the pin wasn't removed, apparently. The fire. Uh, Again, right. if, if this wasn't the original, um, the original finish, then that would explain why the pin wasn't removed, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I would I just, assume. But yeah, the pin was left in. So when they, apparently it's the same as, you know, any sort of gimmicked um, tool that they use, it's ready for them to go under the ring. But on this occasion, the pin from the fire extinguisher was not removed. So it wasn't set to go. So it took a few moments to set that up and get ready. But that was basically the finish then. She used the fire extinguisher um and and hit her with uh was it a snap suplex it or something was a like suplex, that was yeah so just you know like looking back at that as a kid when i'd watch it i would never have known you know that was meant to be in the finish and that i think they they covered it up as well as they can um obviously being where i am now and having wrestling experience you can see that mm. okay but, um, yeah, still, I, I, I knew about the fire extinguisher pin not being removed but the mirror is all new information to me. But as you explain it, that would kind of make sense, I think, especially with yeah. the storyline and how they operate with regards to Victoria well, being all psycho and saying about Trish being the pretty one yeah, and using mirrors yeah. in the build-up and so on. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, apart from that, I think they took some good bumps in it. I remember Trish takes a big trash can shot to the face and bumps to the floor. And, yeah, there's some really good bumps in there. So, um good for them i think i think it really showing that what they could do yeah i enjoyed this i enjoyed this um well anyone who listens to the show knows i enjoy trish Stratus matches anyway much to a uh, david eaton's chagrin i suppose as I, as I cover 2000 with him um <laughs> but it is, it is what it is <laughs> um we then get a nervous Paul Heyman with Brock Lesnar backstage saying he will do anything in his power to make sure my client leaves with the title. Hmm. I wonder what's going to happen there. <laughs> Lesnar here has legit got a broken rib apparently, which makes the fact that the following match, which is the big show versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE championship, it makes it even more amazing when you see him suplex the big show and F5 the big show and, and basically throw this huge mountain of a man around. Oh, I didn't know he actually had a broken rib. I thought that was part of the storyline. No, apparently, according to Jim Ross at the time, he had, he had a legit uh, broken rib here, yeah. So, that does make sense, then, I think, as to why the match was so short as well, then, maybe. But then, yeah. you know, you don't think of Brock Lesnar in 20-minute matches, really, do you? No, very true, very true. Um, but, I mean, back, back then, I suppose, that era of Lesnar... Or maybe so just after this, potentially, because this was effectively confirming his face turn, wasn't it? Separating from Heyman, and he went on to win the Rumble in 2003 and wrestle Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 19. And a great time with Brock Lesnar there. I'm all about Brock now, then, whenever. Just absolutely superb. Um, But yeah, it's a four-minute match for Lesnar around this time is quite short. So yeah, that would explain it, I guess. But I mean, some of the moves here that he puts on, some some of the... the power boost puts in. It's just unbelievable, aren't they? Yeah, it's insane. And I think Michael Cole, doesn't he touch on the three three questions? Can he lift the big show? Can he 
suplex the big show and can he f5 the big show yeah. or something like that and he just throws big show around just <laughs> like it's <Yeah>. nothing <laughs> i mean that's all um the, the build-up for the match is obviously Heyman is stressing that his client is going to lose the title because uh, again those questions Heyman says you can't suplex the big show you can't f5 for the big show so he's then saying you can't beat the big show yeah. um that leads to Heyman siding with the big show and ultimately turning on lesnar here um lesnar then when you think about the broken rib especially takes a horrific choke slam onto a chair um big show pins him Heyman celebrates with the big show and they they run straight to a waiting car and depart all and done leave. and dusted in just over four minutes and <laughs> there's not really much more you can say about that <laughs> No, no. I mean, it's literally, it's literally. I suppose a stepping stone to bigger and better things coming for Lesnar, isn't it? The Rumble win yeah. that we touched upon, and so on. So, and I suppose that was kind of a revitalise for the Big Show as well, because doesn't he then kind of become this just killer heel? I mean, he then teams with A Train, doesn't he? In a, a few months after, but then he hits the Rey Mysterio around the ring post in a stretcher and I think he then just becomes this dominant giant that he needed to be yeah yeah I mean this this kind of big mean evil big show I think it, it really worked for him at the time I think it was a really good yeah. twist on the game I mean he's, he's turned back and forth so many times you kind of lose track of where he is in <sighs> what year but on this He'll occasion, four thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But on, on this on this occasion, I think this version of Big Show is is excellent. Yeah, um, I, I agree. After that, we get for me one of the highlights of the show. We have a triple threat elimination match for the WWE Tag Team Championships between Edge and Rey Mysterio versus uh, Eddie and Chavo Guerrero and the aforementioned Angle and Benoit sort of mismatch. Will they get along? Will they? Won't they team? Um, I'm not a huge fan of multi-team tag matches where you can tag anyone in or out. I think it sometimes is... Uh, uh, WrestleMania 18 is a good example because they had a couple of those on the card for the different tag teams, uh, like a four corners match on each each one, uh, and being able to tag whoever in and out and so on. I think it's uh, it, it just misses the mark for me a little bit. But on this occasion, this is fantastic. This it's, really really works. Yeah, this has done so well. Uh, the whole uh, Angle and Benoit not getting along. The Guerrero's not wanting to get in the match until one team's gone. You know, Edge and Rey Mysterio just being so over. Uh, they come in as champs, don't they? Yes. In this match. Yeah. Uh, and what I really like as well is the build-up to this. Didn't those tag championships actually all... They kept changing hands, didn't they? Like, Angle and Benoit won it, then Rey, Rey and Edge won it. I can't remember if the Guerrero's run them on SmackDown as well. But I think the Guerrero's... Much first title reign was when they won it here i think right i just think it just because the time championships were quite new weren't they at the time they'd only been around about them so yeah, yeah they had a tournament didn't they to decide yeah. who was going to be the, the 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 new tag team champions on smackdown because the the other tag titles were a part of raw with the with the brand split yeah um, uh, yeah I, mean, I, I think the whole build-up for this match or you know from No Mercy the Smackdowns and then Survivor Series the people involved I mean six of the biggest names ever in WWE isn't it yeah it, it was just it was so well done 
I mean, this era of SmackDown was, was great to watch. I mean, on, on, on Raw, you had Triple H, who we'll come to shortly, opening every episode with a droning 20-minute promo. And yeah. it was... It, it Raw seemed dull and dated and slow, I suppose. In comparison to SmackDown at this time, that seemed fresh and crisp and, and young. And you had the SmackDown Six, as they were called, which are these guys here, who could all go in the ring. And you, you could basically build any show around these six guys. And SmackDown at the time just was head and shoulders above what Raw was offering on weekly television, I thought. Absolutely. It had, you know, the you had the Undertakers and the Hulk Hogan's and the Kurt Angles, but you then also had the new people. So didn't Batista go there and Orn started there, Cena started there. So everyone went seemed to go, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And it was it was fresh. Yeah, exactly. And this match is a good example of how excellent the SmackDown roster at the time was. You had yeah. uh, well, first of all the title belts. A gorgeous title belts. It's a real shame they, these aren't used anymore. The, the title belts they use now for the Raw and SmackDown Tag Championships, I'm not a fan of. You look back on these ones that you had for the Raw SmackDown that you see, sorry, the Raw Tag Titles that you see Chris Jericho walk to the ring with in our main event, and then you look at these ones that Edge and Rey Mysterio are holding. Much, much more uh, pleasing to look at title belts, I feel, than the horrible coin efforts that we have now. I was just thinking they look like pank coins, don't they? Yeah. Like yeah, belts. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I did prefer the Raw Tag Team Championship if I have to pick one, but the uh, SmackDown ones, yeah, they were lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Eddie and Chavo uh, are just fantastic here because it's, it's a proper heel move. It's a proper, well, for want of a better term, it's a real dick move, what they're doing. But at the same time, it makes perfect sense. That is for perfect story sense. Telling. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's clever. Why, yeah, why would why, you want to get in the ring? <laughs> Exactly, and they rile everybody up, and they're pushing Edge and um, Edge and Ray, and then they're, they're, they're shoving Angle and Benoit, and and then when it's about to start, they just jump out the ring, jump onto the floor, and say, "Off, off you go, then, fellas, away you go." Perfect, it's perfect. I mean, and granted, you get that in a normal triple threat. Sometimes you always get the one guy get out. It tends to be the heel, isn't it? Or mm-hmm. you always have one guy get out. So why not have a team get out? You yeah. see it all the other time, you know. Especially yeah. in in elimination rules if it's one fall to a finish like like you see with some triple threats you you don't want to be out of the ring i guess from from a from a proper sporting contest viewpoint you don't yeah. want to be outside of the ring do you because the pinfall could happen you could lose the match and so on but in your elimination rules of course why wouldn't you want to be out of the way let the others fight out and then just pick up the scraps yep exactly i, I just think it was so uh, it was clever but it was also funny yeah um, exactly it was Which is Eddie Guerrero all over, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And he's he's perfect. Um, he's just phenomenal. I mean, all these guys. Rey Mysterio is quite new to WWE at that point, wasn't he? So mm-hmm. um, he he looked amazing in this match. And Edge, well, I thought was just incredible. He was putting on some fantastic matches. And I think he just did a program with Eddie Guerrero, didn't he, before it? They had that insane ladder match. So they, you know, work extremely well together. Angle and Ray had worked together at SummerSlam, so they all just gelled really, really, really well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, there's a moment here where Ray kind of stumbles off the top rope and lands on his head, which is a bit uncomfortable to, to watch back. Um, Eddie sunset flips Chris Benoit, who at the same time German suplexes Edge. Uh, that's Visually, that was incredible because the timing yes. of it was just perfect. It was it? perfect. And that was the one move slash bump that I wrote down. 
absolutely fantastic yeah um Charvo hits Benoit in the back with the belt. Benoit thinks it was Angle, his partner. They fight, and then ultimately Edge spears Benoit to eliminate him. Um, and then a bit later on, Charvo hits Ray with the belt, and Ray taps out to Eddie Guerrero. But, I mean, th- those points that Rai and I have put forward here don't quite cover how good this match is, how, how much these guys these six incredible talents get in in this just shy of 20 minute contest and i think if yeah. you go back and watch any match from this show I and mean, i personally would recommend you go back and watch the whole show because it's not show. a bad moment <laughs> yeah, but if you can only pick one match and you decide not to choose the main event this is the one that i think you should go back and see this is just absolute gold from all of these guys yep and this is a real big influence to me personally as well being a tag team wrestler you know, yes, it was one of the first tag. Obviously, I, I watched other wrestling before this event, but when I think of tag matches, this has got to be up there with one of the first ones I think of. And granted, it's not a standard tag match, which I think again says volumes. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, again, just go check it out. It's superb. Um. There are certain moments on this show that when, when people talk about Survivor Series 2002, there are certain moments on this show that come to mind straight away. Uh, rightly or wrongly, for me, the, the tag match we've just watched, which is superb, doesn't always come straight to the forefront of my mind. The Elimination Chamber does, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, oddly, believe it or not, Tristratus doesn't come straight to my mind for a change. One of the... <laughs> one of the... The things that come straight to the forefront of my mind, being a, a big WCW fan and, and a big Scott Steiner fan, is the moment we have after the after the tag match where Big Popper Pump makes his his debut. And I can remember watching this live on pay per view and think ultimately Chris Nowinski comes out to the ring, um, is is talking to the New York crowd and calling them stupid Lose, losers or stupid. I can't remember which way round it is. Yeah. Yeah, and then Matt Hardy comes out to join him. Another another heel, another bad guy. So these two mid-card uh, heels from different brands. Um, Matt Hardy gets a little bit of a pop, obviously because his surname's Hardy for a start, but I think the crowd are thinking that he's here to potentially stand up for the New York audience, and, and that's quickly proven to be incorrect as he starts calling them losers. Nowinski and Hardy then decide New Yorkers aren't stupid. They aren't losers. They're both. They're lupid, which They're is lupid. <laughs> which is a word I think that we should try really, really hard to bring back into the dictionary on a regular basis. But um, <laughs> as they are shaking hands on this, their their wonderful uh, discussion and agreement about New Yorkers being lupid, that siren goes off. You hear <laughs> the, the immortal words of holler if you hear me, and out comes Scott Steiner looking insanely good ripped to the max the chainmail the bleached blonde hair and beard posing as he does and honestly watching this live i i was off my seat i was the same as the new york crowd i uh, i suppose the cheesy term is marking out i guess that's, <laughs> that's the feeling i suppose i had if i had to put a tag on it yeah but, oh my god I, I i adored this the first time watching it live and i adored it watching it yesterday back Amazing. I, I mean, I have to be honest with you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I sometimes skip this little segment. 
Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I'll watch it and I might go make a cup of tea. Sometimes I might just think, yeah, okay, I want to see The Chamber. Uh, I mean, I never watched WCW growing up, so I probably oh, yeah, wasn't was into Scott Steiner, maybe as say you would have been. I think, yeah, he came out and he looked absolutely incredible, shut them both around. Doesn't he throw one of them over the top rope like a yeah. press? Yeah. Um, and then when I think of Scott Steiner after that, I just think of that awful Rumble match. Yeah. Uh, and not much more comes to mind for his WWE run, to be honest with you. No, and you're spot on. And it's a real shame that it worked out that way. I mean, from my standpoint, Steiner was a big deal. I can remember Steiner's first WWF run with his brother. Um, yeah. In 93, they joined. Um, I was getting the, the pay-per-views recorded for me off Sky by my uncle. I, I watched them win the tag titles uh, and so on in their multicoloured neon singlets and everything and Scott's <laughs> glorious mullet. Um, <laughs> and then Steiner in WCW was a big deal as well. The old turn into the big popper pump character, the NWO run he had. And he could go in the ring at, at, at this stage in WCW. The issue he had when he came to the WWF was he had this this drop foot issue of nerves in his back and so on, um, which meant his mobility was very limited. So ultimately, we went on and saw, as you mentioned, Roy Steiner versus Triple H at the Rumble in two thousand and three, and it was an absolute. Sh- it was a shit show. It was horrible. Oh, and it, that, it, it's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, and that's where the that's where the bubble burst with Scott Steiner for me, and that's a real shame because I was a big Steiner fan. I mean, I wonder but, what he did in between um, Survivor Series then and the Rumble, because that was a two-month period. I don't ever remember him being on Raw, apart from the build-up. I wonder why he took so well, much time off. there was a, a back-and-forth between um, Bischoff and Shane McMahon. Sorry, Stephanie McMahon, as the two general managers, trying to sign Steiner oh, yeah. to their brand. I remember so now you said it. So you, had the, you have the, the, the debut or I suppose return in a way at Survivor Series here, where he just destroys people, does the press-ups in the ring, the crowd all chanting his name, and the, the crowd are going wild for him. And there's that real iconic moment as well, where he was told to go out, destroy them, pose, walk back, don't say a word, because they wanted to keep him quiet and, and he was going to speak a couple of weeks later on Raw or SmackDown or whatever. Steiner went off script, as Scott Steiner has a big <laughs> habit of doing. Um, you can't hear it on the network. It's been cut, but you can hear Jerry Lawler's reaction of, oh, because of the language. If you have the DVD, I think you can hear it, or on YouTube you can hear it. Oh. Steiner turns what? to the ring announcer and yells, give me the fucking mic, um, which is... Does he? I've never, I've never noticed that before. Yeah, uh, certain video. I think it's on YouTube. You can find it. He screams, "Give me the fucking mic!" Um, and he wasn't supposed to say anything to the crowd, so he takes the microphone. Uh, and Jim Ross is on commentary saying, "If he wants to talk, I'd say let him talk." And I reckon that wasn't Jim just sort of providing commentary. I think that was Jim um, actually talking in real life. There, thinking, "Yeah, don't stop him. <laughs> this guy's an absolute nutcase," which he was famous for being a nutcase in WCW backstage. So yeah, he, he then, you know, cuts that mini, says his catchphrases, you know, big popper pump is your hookup, holler if you hear me, the crowd go wild. We then have the the battle between the general managers as to which way he's going to go. Um, he decides on Raw to Triple H looking absolutely terrified that Scott Steiner was going to face him. Um, 
his contract when he signs with Raw gives him a title shot at the Rumble. Triple H again is mortified about this. And then we have the the build-up to the Rumble where they're doing strongman contests, I guess. They're doing a pose down, um, which again is very much in Steiner's wheelhouse, isn't it, with how he looks. There's, yeah. there's, a, there's a brilliant segment where they're doing arm wrestling. That is absolutely fantastic where Triple H is fighting with all his might and Steiner just smiles at him and smashes his arm down. <laughs> I can see it now. So. Absolutely fantastic. So all the way up from this debut throughout those weeks and months into the Rumble, even right to when the Rumble match begins, Steiner looked like a star. And I was all about Scott Steiner. And then that bloody Damn bell much. at the Rumble had to ring. <laughs> and it was done. Yep, and I said, <laughs> yeah, and then they, and then they, they had a rematch at No Way Out that was equally as bad. I believe the original plan was for them to go to a third match at WrestleMania 19, in which Steiner would probably ultimately win the championship. That was the plan when they first brought him in, from what I can what I can gather, reading different magazines and 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 so on. But the first two matches were so bad, Steiner wasn't even on the card at all. Come WrestleMania 19. Yeah. And Booker T was very much drafted in last minute by winning a battle royal completely out of the blue. So, but this moment here at Survivor Series, Roy, I was all about Scott Steiner. I'll give you that one. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> My moment's coming, don't worry. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, Randy Orton interrupts a brief Shawn Michaels interview. This whole. <laughs> yeah, never interrupt Sean. Never interrupt Sean. But I mean, Orton at this time is, is, is a great character as well, isn't he? The sort of slimy, everyone loves me, despite they don't, um, giving medical updates on his injury and so on. Clever way of keeping him on TV, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, um, I don't know if you've watched it, but I recently watched his podcast with Steve Austin. No, not podcast, the show on the network. And yep. I don't think he was quite in evolution at this point, was he? It wasn't much longer until he was but yeah i think they knew what what was coming and then yeah good way to just keep him around on telly whilst his shoulders were recuperating yeah and evolution were were they actually up and running at this stage it's almost 2003 ish they came in yeah i mean flair was with triple h but um orton wasn't i don't no, think no he wasn't and of course batista was was it deacon batista he was the guy with the um well, he was injured at this point, wasn't he? I think, because you don't see him for a very long time, and then he comes back in the 2003 Rumble. Yeah, but I mean, previous to the injury, I mean, he was siding with Devon on Oh, Swag- yeah, yeah, he was on Swag-Dang. Yeah, and Mark Jindrak was initially in uh, Evolution when they started. They actually f- took photos of them in the suits, walking down that pathway that's in the entrance and their title tron and so on before Batista coming back from injury. And they sort of went, okay, well let's have him instead and kick Ginger out to the curb. So, <laughs> so yeah, it must be just not long after this, the, the, the group kind of forms. So yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah. But anyway, that leads us to our main event of the evening. And holy crap, what a wonderful main event it was. Roy, do you want to have a little run-through of this match and tell us exactly why you love it so much? Uh, can I just say two words? Of course. Sure, sure Michaels. <laughs> do I need to say anything else? I, I Actually, can we just take a step backwards? I, can we just appreciate Eric Bischoff tripping on the way to the ring? I, that always makes me chuckle yeah, when he comes down. But um, I just the match I the uh, the end let's start with the entrances Jericho coming down being sung again by saliva to the ring 
just look and he came out to his king of the world theme didn't he mm -hmm. which I, I can't remember if he used for a bit in wwe or if that was, it was a very one -off. short period it was very short wasn't it but just look you know amazing and then booker t i mean actually the first four guys in that in that chamber that come down to the ring are actually my four probably biggest influences and idols in wrestling as i was watching it back it, it clicked you know so Shawn michaels jericho kane and booker t Okay, um, and that's quite a. Oh, so it's a very talented group of four you list there as being big influences on you, but they're also incredibly different. I mean, there's similarities, of course. Don't get me wrong, yeah, with Jericho, yeah. you know, and all that. But um, you, you take say Jericho or Michaels and compare them to a Kane, that's that, that's incredibly different. different. Yeah. And then again, you take any one of those and compare them to Booker T's sort of i don't know how to word it sort of more um he's got quite a bouncy style to how he moves in the ring and uh, and so on it's different again to what all the others do so it's quite a quite an eclectic mix that you've chosen yeah. there yeah I, I i love them all i credit them all um for being in the ring obviously Shawn michaels is uh, i'm his number one fan if you ask me <laughs> but um I, I i yeah just the entrances alone and seeing this structure it was quite mind-blowing. And then, you know, the match gets going and you've got Rob Van Dam and Triple H tear it up for the first five minutes. And doesn't RVD just look a million bucks? Yeah, yeah. Does, like, you know, when he doesn't, he, he jumps off from the uh, post and lands on the on the cell wall and springboards off. I think there's a monkey flip somewhere. He just looks incredible. And, and for anyone that maybe thought Rob Van Dam wasn't going to be a main event in WWE, I think, after that match, I think that would have changed everyone's perception of him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with Van Damme, the first time I came across Van Damme was, um, I've told this story on the show uh, recently, so apologies if people are hearing it for the second time, but the I, 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 first time I came across Van Damme was when I got a video cassette of Guilty as Charged, um, which is the last ECW pay-per-view they put on before they went out of business, which was 2001. Um, and I bought this this tape from a little dingy, stinky, horrible shop in Gloucester, secondhand. Put it on, and it was good. It was okay. It, you know, I was watching it. I was enjoying the show. And then Van Damme comes out, and of course, the guy is what six one, six two potentially. He's two hundred and thirty odd pounds. You know, he's the size of a Bret Hart, effectively, with weight and height. And then he's doing things like somersaulting off the ring barrier and doing the splits mid-match and that split-legged moonsault from the top and so on and i'm he was doing things that i had never seen before yeah. and it blew my mind and when he yeah. arrived in wwe i was so over the moon he, he is such an incredible talent um and i think this match was perfect for him this was like a little rob van Dam playground <laughs> if there was something <laughs> he could climb or jump off he would uh uh, you know, and when he jumps off of that that pod onto Triple H, I mean, yeah, completely mm. crushes Triple H's throat, doesn't he? Yeah, he seriously injured him. Yeah, he struggled. Yeah, for, oh, oh, God, what's the name of it? Larynx? Is that the right term? Larynx or something? It's yeah, something he crushed it. Didn't he? Didn't he? And Triple um, H, fair play, he, he he guts it out and does the rest of the contest. But you can see he's struggling for breath, and he's spends a lot of time led to the side sort of waiting for his moments as opposed to being as involved as potentially he may well have been, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, whose fault is that? Is that Triple H? Is that Rob Van Damme's? Who knows? The, the chamber itself, I kind of look at and think is potentially a fault here. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. It, it wasn't, it wasn't built by, um, 
wrestling people, according to uh, Chris Jericho, who who obviously was involved in the match and so on. He's in, he's on record in the interview saying it wasn't built by wrestling people. It was built just by a, a a construction company just put this together for them. So it wasn't made to be, and these are Jericho's words, not mine, but it wasn't made to be bump friendly. Yeah. So that's why you see the outside is the, the that that metal plating that leaves lines on everyone's back and just looks horrific. Every time it looks hits. horrible, doesn't it? Every time someone used exactly. to get chucked over or put through one of those the pods um, at the time, it it looks yeah. I wouldn't want to be in that. No, no. And the the, the roof of the chamber is too close to the top of the pods to make it um, make it accessible for guys to use that to their advantage. And you see it with Van Damme's frog splash where he kind of falls rather than jumps. And that's when he injures Triple H. And you also see it with Sean's elbow drop, which is, to me, along with Match on My Mind, it's one of the best top rope elbows I've ever seen. It it looks messy because he can't jump. He has to literally fall, doesn't he? I mean, Rob, you, you see, he can't extend his legs fully. And yeah, Michael's just kind of, but uh, I still get some. I mean, the moves they still get the moves over, don't they? So yeah, yeah just it, it's just more carnage. It just follows the whole trend of the evening that everyone's already seen. Yeah, yeah, and it's it, it's it's close to forty minutes, and to me, it flies by. Absolutely it, yeah. flies by. Yeah, it does. Um, and I, I think you know, every five minutes, you get the new guy come out. You know, that adds to it. And I don't think all six of them are in the ring at the same time, are they? No. No, um, Rob goes, doesn't he? Yeah, you've got Triple H and RVD start the match. Jericho is next out. Um, And then Booker is next out. And then Booker eliminates RVD before Kane comes in. Right. Yeah. And then we have Kane throwing Chris Jericho through the bulletproof plexiglass, as it as Jim Ross, uh, sorry, as uh, Jerry Lawler calls it. But it looks and sounds look, great. Yeah, it does. Kane is an absolute beast in this match. Yeah, he looks phenomenal. This I mean, they all do. But because he'd not he'd recently come back as well, hadn't he, from an injury or something, and he would he just done a, a, a package with, our, uh, with Triple H. They merged the Intercontinental and World Heavyweights, didn't they? That's right, yeah. The IC title was um, basically declared defunct and null and void and unified with the, the World Championship. So they had one show, one champion, as Bischoff proudly declared. This yeah. was dur- This was the storyline that involved the infamous Katie Vick. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> so- which was actually cut from the... UK broadcast the the the, the, the uh, Triple H dressing up as Kane and climbing in the coffin with the dummy oh. and um, <laughs> doing what he does was cut from the UK broadcasts. So at least Sky Sports had the common sense to go, yeah, this is not right, fellas. You know, it's, <laughs> it's still on the network though. <laughs> yeah, unless unless you're in the states and it's probably yeah. gonna get cut out because of Peacock. But yeah, there we go. Peacock, yeah. <laughs> so, if you want to watch the angle, get there now. <laughs> I can't imagine why then anyone would. But yeah, please check it out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> back to the chamber. <laughs> yeah, back to the chamber. Um, Triple H is obviously struggling, and we're getting uh, at this stage. We've only got Sean left to come into the ring. Huge HBK chance ringing out oh, um, when he when he's they, in that pod doing that little jig he's doing and getting ready yeah. to go out. You can see the ten can comes up and the crowd just. 
blow up, don't they? And he comes out and Sean's doing his thing and he's looking a million bucks and then comes along Kane and gives him a good old clothesline. Yeah. <laughs> Gone. Uh, just now, I'll, I'll pre-warn everyone. Um, I'll pre-warn everyone now listening. This is now probably, I'm not going to lie, going to turn into a bit of a Shawn Michaels love-in here because Roy has obviously said a few times on the show previously and on his, his last appearance on the show that Shawn Michaels was his favourite wrestler. Um, anyone who's listened to the show or heard me on other shows before is fully aware that Shawn Michaels is, well, was always my guy as well. Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair were the two, and depending on which day you ask me is which way around I answer who the best ever was. They are literally 1A and 1B, depending on which day it is. Um, Shawn returning in 2002 was such a moment for me having yes. grown up watching his first run i can remember sitting in my uncle's bedroom and watching sean throw marty Ginetti through the barbershop window um when i was 11 years of age um just thinking this guy with the leather jacket was so cool uh, <laughs> my, my parents again i've mentioned it various times on the show before my parents think it's funny that even as a kid, sort of 10, 11 years old, I liked the bad guys all the time. So Sean, I really enjoyed. I thought the guy just looked so cool. And then his run up to and eventually leaving in 98 because of his back injury and other problems he had. So his return in 2002, for me, was like still to this day, one of the biggest highlights of my wrestling fandom. Absolutely adored. And his, en- his entrance here, even though the match at SummerSlam was his comeback, his entrance here, watching it back now, Gave me goosebumps yesterday. Oh, so I've got it now, just as you said it. <clears throat> I think at that moment, probably more than I should, <laughs> seeing Shawn Michaels come down to that ring, uh, just, he owns that crowd. They are in his palm of his hand, that whole crowd. And I think it was such a moment, because he wasn't meant to, it wasn't meant to pan out like this, was it? He was meant to have just done the one match for Triple H um, in, at SummerSlam, I believe. And I don't think this was the plan originally. No, I think I've no. read that in his book, one of his books. It was changed very last minute. It was it was supposed to be one off at SummerSlam. Um, after SummerSlam, this was supposed to be another one off. They wanted him in the chamber just to you know Madison Square Garden pay per view, maybe I suppose bump a number out of it. I guess I, I don't know, but this was supposed to be a one off as well. Um, however, during the day. Vince McMahon randomly said Sean's winning it because Triple H going into the day or, or, or the week, especially of Survivor Series, Triple H was supposed to retain the championship. That was the original plan. Um, but he decided, no, Sean's winning it just completely out of the blue decided that was, that's what they were going to do. Um, so that's what they went with. And, and you get the, the incredible moments in this match, especially when it gets down to, the last three of Sean, Jericho, and Triple H. Some of the exchanges they have where, you know, Jericho hits Sean with a lion salt. It looks like, like it's over. Uh, Sean kicks out at two. And that's a great Sean Michaels thing as well, isn't it? The near fall, where it almost looks like he's done. And like even, done. yeah, and you buy into it as a fan. And that's why he's so good. You know, and then kicks out at two. The, the, the New York crowd go go crazy. Sean's bleeding all over the place. <laughs> it's just brilliant stuff, isn't it? Hadn't he? Been, he was because he was been thrown through one of the pods, hadn't he? Mm-hmm. Was, was had he been thrown for a pod with the two of them in, or I can't remember. It's just him and Triple H. But yeah, he's an absolute bloody mess, and they are absolutely beating the hell out of him, aren't they? 
Um, yeah. But then they finally, you know, turn on each other. You know, when it goes back to that whole triple threat, you have a couple of heels and then they eventually turn on each other. And uh, that was just so well done again, you know, and the crowd eat it up. Uh, did he get super kicked, Chris Jericho? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, just before this, you mentioned about um, Triple H and Jericho turning on each other. This is the one part of the match that I've got an issue with. And that's that Jericho is pinning Triple H. Sorry, Jericho is pinning Shawn Michaels. Apologies. And, and Triple H stops Jericho from making the cover. Yeah. That's the one moment I. That's the one moment I have an issue with because first of all, I'm thinking, why would Triple why H would do, you that? do that? Want, yeah, yeah, he'd want him out. But that leads to, like you said, Jericho and Triple H arguing amongst themselves. Um, Jericho, uh, they they start fighting amongst themselves, and Jericho um, looks like he's going to take a pedigree, but he counters it into the walls of Jericho. That's it, yeah, and then he gets kicked in the face. Yeah, and then Sean just comes out of nowhere and, and gives him a good old kick to the mush. It's brilliant. When a, when a super kick meant something in my eyes. Oh, don't even start me off on that one. Yeah, don't with me either. <laughs> so, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and DDTs are the same. Yes. You know? Yeah. Uh, there we go. You have... Um, down to the final two then of Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels. Obviously, Triple H still struggling to breathe. So, you know, much respect to him for this whole performance. Yeah, this 40-minute contest with a, a problem with his throat that cannot be comfortable. Um, what, I, what I like about this is don't they have another good 10 minutes, just the two of them? But when you think about it, not much actually happens. Yeah, just such a masterful way of, of telling a story yeah because everyone everyone is so behind sean at this stage everyone is all about michaels at this stage so the near falls either way mean so much you know when sean is attempting to cover triple h after the the top rope elbow and triple h kicks out the the, the fans think he's got this one and then Triple H kicks out, and the atmosphere just changes like the, the flip, the, the click of a finger there. Yeah. And then Triple H hits a spinebuster on Sean, and you hear everyone just go, ooh. And then he goes for the pinfall there, and Sean kicks out, and the place erupts again. It's just absolutely masterful storytelling by the pair of them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that you get that elbow drop, mm-hmm. goes for the, the super kick finish. Catch into the pedigree, and then yeah, everyone, you know, yeah, there we go, it's over. Triple H resigned. Humongous shot, Michael kick out, and crowd go mad. And then they don't really do anything, do they, for a good minute, maybe a yeah. bit longer? They, I think, they just lie there. And you can That's see right. the camera then cuts, doesn't it? It kind of lifts up, I think, and you get like a crowd shot of MSG with the, with the chamber, and they're both just lying there. Like, they've been through absolute war. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just, it's great. It's just the storytelling is amazing and you can just see this rivalry. I would say come into an end, but it doesn't really because it goes on for another couple of years. But it's kind of the SummerSlam payoff, isn't it? Is this? This moment. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and as you explained it there, he gets, Sean, sorry, gets hit with a pedigree, kicks out to a huge reaction, yes. Uh, but then, Triple H goes for another pedigree, and you're thinking that's going to be it if he hits the second pedigree, aren't you? Yeah. And then he backdrops out of it, Shawn Michaels does, hits the switch of music, as Ra explained, and the place just becomes unglued, and there's ticker tape everywhere, and... It's... Oh, <laughs> that scene is... I can hear... I can still hear Je- uh, the King say it's like Times Square on New York City or something, isn't it? 
No, oh, one must say it's uh, New Year's Eve on Times Square, and uh, yeah. it just, I can still, there's a, a member of the crowd, you can see he's on the phone, I don't know why they panned to him, but he's on the phone, and you can just see him jumping up and down, you know, like, uh, it, it's just, it's mad, and Michael's there in the middle of the ring with that, the belt over him, and he's flicking his hair back, and there's just blood all over his face, it's just, it's just a magical moment. I, I really want to give um it's one of the notes i have actually and, and, and you've sort of touched on it there i really want to give huge props to jim ross as well i mean i'm a again anyone who listens to the show will start to pick up on certain themes when it comes comes to me and my my love of certain things wrestling and my dislikes of others jim ross is one of my favorite people in professional wrestling end of in ring out of ring whatever i my memories as a kid all my best wrestling memories as a kid have jim ross providing the soundtrack on them yeah um and i'm really grateful now even though some people criticize him and saying he's he's not as good as he once was and so on i love watching AEW now with jim ross commentating from a selfish standpoint because it's jim ross but from a secondary standpoint that's awesome because my little girl is watching wrestling with the guy who was my soundtrack providing the soundtrack to her wrestlers now yeah. And that's a real nice thing for me and her to have. But at this occasion here, this is why Jim Ross is, in my opinion, the best to do this. He is yelling about, do you believe in miracles? Um, and, and just it, the stuff he says, honestly, I really encourage everybody to go back and watch this match. The video packages going into it. Um, the performance of Triple H, I think, is superb. He really makes this match. He really he is the glue that holds this whole contest together, I feel. Yeah, yeah. And then Sean at the end, with Jim Ross's commentary, it just gets you. Obviously, there are some people who hate Shawn Michaels. It's not going to have the same effect. I understand that. <laughs> and I fully appreciate the stories about Sean being difficult to deal with and basically being a bit of a dickhead backstage. I fully appreciate all that. But to me, as a wrestling fan, watching what I had on screen and listening to Jim Ross... What a moment. It was, yeah. And it, you know, even though Jerry Lawler at the end, the final thing I think of that whole broadcast is there's a new sheriff in town. And uh, and then I think it cuts out. But yeah, the commentary, when when he wins that, the world title, just turns it up. If it couldn't even be, you know, it couldn't be turned up even more. It just did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what yeah. a show. Yeah, oh, yeah. incredible. Did you notice know as well? I suppose it is a little bit of a negative, but we, we've got to touch on it because people are gonna people have memories of it and ask about it. I guess Sean's gear and his haircut. I was just gonna say the gear. Not the biggest fan. Plain brown with a bit of HBK on it. Mm. Haircut, yeah. It's like you know, got a bit of a mum bob going on. But uh, <laughs> bob, that's brilliant. <laughs> but you know, it's Shawn Michaels, so we'll let him off. Yeah, of course. I mean, the hair, I don't understand myself. Um, nah. But the, apparently his gear wasn't ready in time, supposedly. And that's why the the top part, the trunk part, so to speak, has design on it. And the rest is plain brown because they, it, it literally wasn't finished in time, which is so surreal for me of a company this size. I know. Um, it's such a shame because that's out of everything, that's what people might remember is the gear he wore. Yeah. <laughs> And, and the boots he was wearing as well. He's wearing these big brown cowboy boots as opposed to proper yeah, wrestling yeah. boots. Those are actually his boots he wore to the arena that day. That, that's just what he was wearing around. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. In general <laughs> life. Yeah, just, just proper. Because he wears cowboy boots all the time, doesn't he? That you see yeah. that, you know? That's literally what he was wearing that day, apparently. But all, you know, 
little Dutch girl haircut and uh, <laughs> man bob, poo, yeah, man bob and poo for tights <laughs> aside. Um, what a moment, especially for people who are fans of Sean Michaels. Yeah, and you know, it's mad to think that that was uh, nineteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and that was the, that was his last world title, wasn't it? He had a couple of tag belts in between since retiring, but that was the last time he uh, had the main championship belt, I think, isn't it? Yeah, he, he quite got it again the following month, didn't he? Back to Triple H Armageddon. Yeah, shame. Um, challenged but, uh, again at the Rumble. Challenged again at Mania in the Triple Threat. There, he had one at Backlash. Yeah, yeah, so. No, not a mania. Sorry, it was mania the following year because mania yeah. the yeah because he was against Jer- Jericho then, wasn't he? I know what you meant. Yeah, and he wrestled Cena as well, didn't he? In two thousand and seven. Yeah, that's right, two thousand and seven. Because yeah. they had a match that headlined WrestleMania that was probably the best match on the card that night. Well, and it then, wasn't yeah. meant to have been him, was it? It was meant to have been Triple H. Okay, but he got injured in that tag match. I want to say at New Year's Revolution or something. Right. So they, they put Sean in it. Maybe that's one we'll cover next. Sean Mike, the uh, 2007 Royal Rumble. Yeah. Where, where Sean runs to the ring, it's in his own town, and the final with him and Undertaker is just another goosebump moment. I'm up for that, mate. Come back on and cover that show. We'll definitely yeah. do that. I do this every day if you want. We can just do the <laughs> Shawn Michaels timeline. <laughs> I think my wife will get cross if I'm sat in the bedroom all day talking wrestling to you. But I'd be happy doing it. So yeah, I'd be happy to do that too. Don't worry. Um, okay. I mean, before I let you go, there's a couple of things we have to quickly cover. Um, those who listen to the show know that uh, each pay per view or match or whatever I go back and look at on the SJP Wrestling Podcast, we give an old school uh, grade two. You know, so A, B, C, D, or whatever. Um, Roy, do you want to go first or second? Your, your grading on this one? I'll go second. Okay. Um, me, going from memory, the ultimate card I have seen from the WWF would be potentially WrestleMania 17 or maybe WrestleMania 19. I put those two very much at the top, top level of shows that i've seen from the wwf um again just off the top of my so if they are the 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 best of what that company offers they are effectively the a plus i guess i would have to give this show an a um right up there but maybe a tiny smidge lower than wrestlemania 17 for me personally but it's still an a because this is uh, i can't stress enough go back and watch this show people it's it's bloody brilliant. Yeah, it is. So for me, looking at it from a kind of a uh, personal view on how I feel about the show, and then you're looking into it actually with the card, I would give this an A+. Maybe an A-star, if that exists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's your rating, mate. You give it what you like. <laughs> uh, I'd give it an A-star. I'm very sway. I sway towards this event probably more than any others i mean i completely agree with you on wrestlemania 19 that also does hold a soft spot for me Mm -hmm. Uh, but when i think if i was to go back and i had if i had three hours in a day and i had to watch a wrestling event this would be the one i go to more than any others i've ever seen okay well there we go so two very very high ratings 
Um, again, I, I, I strongly suggest anyone, if you've got a couple of hours spare or if you want to watch wrestling and you don't know what to watch or, you know, you just fancy listening to the show that we are covering today, I strongly advise you chucking it in your DVD player, firing the network up, however it is you wish to do it, uh, and watching this show back. It is well worth investing the time into. Yeah, um, there's a bit of something, isn't there? A little bit of everything in there. Exactly, mate. Exactly. Roy, I want to thank you hugely for sparing your time to come on the show and talk 19-year-old wrestling with this crazy fat wrestling fan here. No, um, thank you for having me on. Oh, honestly, I've really enjoyed it, mate. I enjoyed our first discussion about your stepping into the business. I mean, go back and listen to if you've uh, enjoyed this conversation today. You can find it via the Visionaries Global Media Network on Spotify, SoundCloud, um, all the places that you know all the good places that host podcasts and probably some rubbish ones too you can find those there um but yeah i've really enjoyed that discussion i've had a fantastic time talking about this one with you so no honestly the pleasure is all mine thank you so so much for coming on the show um where about can people find you online my friend so unlike last time there is now the rice stevens facebook page so you can find me Three. at rice stevens i know i know i got there i got there uh and you can also find me on instagram uh, Rye.Stevens.Wrestler but also you can also find my tag team GL2 uh, we're also on Facebook under GL2 Wrestling and the uh, same for Instagram GL2 underscore Wrestling and I give a little shout out to my tag partner Eric Myers as well so he's also on Facebook as Eric Foot Myers and the exact same uh, for Instagram so any yeah. likes or shares would be greatly appreciated no worries You'll get to, it'll all get tagged on the end of this episode and shared as well um, I'm speaking to your partner in crime very soon, sometime this week. We are going to go back and have a little look at the Greed pay-per-view from WCW in 2001, uh, the last pay-per-view they put on. So I knew we'd uh, pick a WCW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, interviews uh, and shows and looking back. If anyone listening to this, um, whether you are a podcaster, a writer, a content creator, I suppose is the term some people use, even though it makes me cringe a little bit, um, or you are a wrestler yourself who's been on the show before or not been on the show, you want to come on, talk about anything wrestling at all, whether it's a, a pay-per-view you love or I enjoy going back and looking at shows sometimes that people have never seen before. That's always, that's always a good kick for me. Um, reach out don't hesitate at all to reach out and and speak to me you can find me on twitter at sj words you can find the show on twitter instagram and facebook at sjp wrestling pod the i suppose as the kids say the dms are open i believe but feel free to send me a message tweet me or however however it works i'm not massively clued up on all of this but i, I will find the message one way or another and we will sort something out uh roy stevens again thank you very very much sir i look forward to speaking to you again soon yeah i do uh thank you very much thanks for having me i've, I've absolutely enjoyed um talking about Shawn michaels again uh and this event it's been brilliant and i and i just one last question have you actually had have you had a tag team on your show yet well i was in both at the same time yeah yeah no 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 we could do that get you and eric on yeah i think we should do that that'd be excellent we'll, we'll do that we'll we'll, we'll have one figure out something that maybe all three of us haven't seen for a while or whatever all three of us haven't seen yes. before and go in there Yes, okay great that. stuff no 
Whereas we'll get that sorted out. I'll speak to Eric soon and uh, we'll get that sorted out. Brilliant stuff. Again, Roy, thank you very much. And to everybody else, thank you for listening. <laughs>